Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. And now for our featured speaker, Chloe Davis. Well, tonight we are continuing our Names of God series, and tonight we're going to be talking about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. I'm really excited about this series uh, because when I came into youth group here during my senior year of high school at Jesseville, uh, we sang this song called Abba, and I didn't know who Abba was. <laughs> I'd grown up in church my whole life, and there's a song called Abba, and it says Abba over and over and over again, and I'm sitting there. This is one of my first times in a youth group here, and I was like, who is Abba? Like, <laughs> who is Abba? And I uh, very quickly learned through a quick internet search after youth group that Abba is a more endearing, intimate term for father, and uh, recognizing God as Abba changed how I related with him. Uh, it changed how I thought about him. It changed how I talked with him uh, and how I worshiped him. And I share this uh, because Revelation 19.10 says, says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so as we continue this series, I am praying and believing that uh, in junior high, because we're doing this series in junior high and in high school as well, um, and in, in this main service here, that the Lord all across this campus will continue to reveal who he says that he is in his word. And so I'm so thankful um, that this is, this is what we're talking about this summer. Uh, there's nothing better to talk about than who he is and who he says that he is according to his word that he's provided us with. Um, so tonight we're talking about how God is Jehovah Jireh. Um, so let's take a second to break down what Jehovah Jireh means. Jehovah Jireh, it was translated from Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. I know that uh, Pastor Tim and Josh have addressed Jehovah in this, uh, this introductory term uh, in the last two weeks, but as we learn about Jehovah Jireh tonight, uh, we want to learn what this name means as a whole. <laughs> so we've got a first, a first part and a second part. Uh, so in ancient Hebrew, uh, the vows of Yahweh, which is our modern day Jehovah, were not normally written. So Yahweh was spelled Y-W, uh, Y-H-W-H, <laughs> sorry, uh, no vowels. So the technical term for these four letters, Y-H-W-H, -H, is based on the Hebrew word for being. So being. It could also be translated, I am who I am, I will be what I will be, or even I am the one who is. Uh, he is self-sufficient and he is self-existent. And basically what this means is that he is not dependent upon anything or anyone. Everything and everyone is actually dependent upon him. And this is important for us to recognize as this is the first part of this Jehovah Jireh name. We are dependent upon him because he is the self-sufficient and self-existent one from which everything comes. So then we have Jireh and Jireh means provider. So when we say that he is Jehovah Jireh, we are saying that we are dependent upon him as the one who provides all, as he provides our every need. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Let us, 
Let's get into it. So the first time that the name Jehovah Jireh appears in scripture is found in the story of Abraham and Isaac. I'm sure you're familiar with it. So if you would, uh, please turn to Genesis chapter 22 with me. I'm gonna give you a quick review of the backstory to refresh our memory. Uh, so God tells Abram in Genesis 13, 16 that he will give Abram so many descendants that they won't be able to be counted. So lots of descendants. Abraham, you're going to have many descendants. I, the Lord, will provide this. In Genesis 15, God promises Abram a son. Genesis 21, 25 years after God promises Abram a son, with Sarah being 90 and Abraham being 100, Isaac is born, and we recognize him as the son of promise. So he is the fulfillment of the promise that God gave a few chapters earlier. Isaac's birth is an absolute miracle, with Sarah being 90 and Abraham being 100, uh, and the fulfillment of a promise made by God. So then we come across Genesis 22. Uh, and in this chapter, God tests Abraham's faith and commands him to take his only son, Isaac, whom Abraham loves so much. This is very clear in the first two verses of Genesis chapter 22. Uh, tells him to take Isaac to the land of Moriah to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Okay, wait a second. God told Abraham that he would have as many descendants as the stars in the sky, said he would, he would make a, a, great, a great nation from Abraham um, and promises a son and then he gives him that son and then he tells him to sacrifice that son. So why would God now tell Abraham to sacrifice his only chance at having as many descendants as the stars in the sky? Uh, this is what we could call a theological contradiction. One thing that God said goes against another thing that God said. Isaac is a miracle that God wants Abraham to sacrifice. It's easy for us to think, oh God, you must have missed something. You missed it here. Uh, you promised Abraham a bunch of descendants, yet you're wanting him to sacrifice the only one that he has. This doesn't make logical, rational sense. If Isaac dies, this promise that you've made me, Lord, will not be fulfilled. And the reality is we all experience this. We experience the question of why God? We experience the question of how could you do this, God? We experience I don't understand God. This doesn't make sense, God. And in these moments where life seems unfair, where maybe doubt or grief strikes, how we think about God is revealed. In this story, Abraham's response reveals what he thinks about God. If my immediate response is to question God, it's not God that I should be questioning, but rather I should be questioning myself. And we see this laid out so clearly in scripture. Psalm 26, put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Lamentations 3, let us test and examine our ways. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. As we continue on in the story, we will see that Abraham knew that God was up to something. Abraham knew that God was in his midst, which is why he responded in the way that he did. Abraham passed the test of genuine faith like it's talked about in 2 Corinthians because he knew that the Lord was up to something in his life. 
Abraham knew was God, that God was on the move despite a theological contradiction. God wasn't going to command Abraham to sacrifice his son and then leave him. That's not what Abraham was thinking. No, Abraham knew God better than to think that he would do that. So how did Abraham respond when God asked him to sacrifice his only son? Let's look at it. Genesis chapter 22, verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. So we don't have any record of Abraham questioning God or arguing with God. We only have record of Abraham following through with what the Lord had commanded him to do. Abraham's actions revealed his thoughts about God, which then we'll see in a moment, affected the way that he spoke about his situation, which we're gonna see right here. Verse four, on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. Abraham did not say, I will come right back. He said, we will come right back. Abraham is speaking as if he knows that Isaac is going to come back with him. Abraham's action of being obedient to God reveals in this moment his lifestyle, the way that he's living. It reveals his thoughts about God, which then affects the way that he speaks about his situation. So what do they say? They say that your thoughts lead to your words and your words lead to your actions. And so as Abraham is having these right thoughts about God, he begins to act in obedience to the Lord, and because he knows who the Lord is, he speaks rightly about his situation. Abraham knew that he was going to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac, yet he told his servants that they, plural, him and Isaac, would come right back. Abraham's actions and his words reveal what he thinks about God, and this only becomes more true as we read more of the story. Verse six, so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he, carried him, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Abraham knew that God would provide a sheep for the burnt offering. But how did Abraham know that God would provide a sheep for the burnt offering? Abraham knew God and he trusted God. And he recognized that providing was a part of the Lord's character because think about it. What had God provided earlier in Abraham's life? He had provided Isaac. When Sarah and Abraham would have been physically incapable of producing and bearing a child, God provided Isaac. Now there were 25 years between the promise of a son and the fulfillment of this promise. So in this period of time where Sarah and Abraham were challenged to wait on the Lord's provision, even though they didn't wait perfectly, which is where Ishmael comes into the story, which we're not even touching tonight, um, it was producing a trust between them and the Lord. This 25 years of waiting, it's producing this trust between Abraham and Sarah and the Lord. So when God says, go and sacrifice your son, Isaac, 
Abraham knows that God will provide because he has trusted him to provide before. And so we see that Abraham has this uh, historical relationship built over time with the Lord. So when God has said that he's going to provide, because I trusted him to provide then, I can trust him to provide now. Isaac, God provided you and he's going to provide the sheep to provide the sheep to spare your life. Let's look at verse nine. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So upon reaching the place that God had chosen, Abraham demonstrates his faith and obedience by building an altar, tying Isaac up, placing him on the altar. And before Abraham can even finish the offering, the angel of the Lord calls to him from heaven and Isaac's life is spared. Abraham names the mountain Yahweh Yireh, which in English is translated to Jehovah Jireh. We've been talking about this for, for a few weeks now about Jehovah and Yahweh. Uh, to remember the way God provided a substitute sacrifice for his son Isaac. So there are a few things that I want us to take note of in this story. First one, when Abraham acted in faith, God provided. What does Abraham do? What was Abraham's part in this story? He goes to the place that God had told him to go, he builds an altar, he arranges the wood on it, he ties up his own son, he lays his son on the altar on top of the wood, and then he pulls out his knife to kill his son. We see that God provides, but we also see that there were steps that Abraham took to see God provide. This is what we would call co-laboring. If Abraham never went to the land of Moriah, if he never built an altar, if he never tied up his son, if he never placed his son on that altar, Abraham would not have seen God provide the ram as an offering. Okay, there were steps that Abraham took to see the Lord's provision happen. If we rely on the provision of people or a job or a retirement fund or the economy or the president, we are not going to see God provide. Our dependence is in the wrong thing completely. But when I take steps to see God provide, when I lay on the altar, whatever it is that I rely on, whatever it is that I depend on and put my trust in, when I lay that on the altar, this enables me to trust in him, which is the reason why Abraham acted in the first place. You see, Abraham, uh, it's possible that he saw Isaac as the only way to fulfill the promise that God gave him of having many descendants, and God wanted to make sure that Abraham had his priorities straight. It was not Isaac who would provide descendants. It was God who would provide descendants. It's not our job uh, that provides our finances. It's the Lord who uses our job to provide our finances, and our job is a way to build his kingdom here on earth. It is only a means through which he provides, but it is he who provides. 
Abraham trusted God to fulfill his promise, even without Isaac, and we should do the same. So as Abraham is taking this journey, and eventually he pulls out his knife to kill Isaac, this is a great dependence on the Lord. Number two, Abraham acted because he trusted. Abraham acted because he trusted. God told Abraham where to go, what to do, and Abraham trusted God, which is why he followed through in the way that he did. We can see that Abraham trusted God through his actions, through the words that he speaks, and again, this tells us that he thinks rightly about God. And what did Abraham think about God? Well, he is provider. Abraham says it out of his own mouth, that he is Yahweh Yireh, he is Jehovah Jireh, he is provider. Jehovah Jireh does not mean God did provide, it means God will provide. We look at that verse again, it says, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. This name does not just memorialize a past event, but it anticipates a future action. God did not just provide, but he will provide. Abraham did not think, oh, well, God has already provided a son for me in the past, so he's not gonna provide for me now. No, Abraham trusted that God would provide again because he had seen him do it before. And some of you may be thinking, well, okay, what if I haven't seen God provide yet? But you have, right here in his word. And we see God provide Abraham a sacrifice to spare Isaac's life. And catch this, this is fascinating. God told Abraham to go to the land of Moriah to sacrifice his son. King Solomon ends up building the temple of the Lord in the same location. Second Chronicles chapter three, verse one says, so Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. When Genesis 22:14 says, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided, this also refers to a hill called Calvary. And so he provided in Genesis, and he provided in the Gospels by sending his son. We see in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Jehovah Jireh provided a sacrifice to save Isaac. And that action was a foreshadowing of the provision of his son for the salvation of the world. Abraham saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket, and John the Baptist saw a lamb. John chapter 1, verse 29, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You have seen God provide if you've opened up his word, and his provision is not dependent upon his people. He is a self-sufficient and self-existent God. So his provision depends on him and he is provider. He doesn't just provide, he is the provider which indicates that he provides everything. Everything comes from him. So your finances, your job, um, the way that you spend your time, like your time itself is from the Lord. The breath in your lungs, your body functioning rightly, that's the Lord's provision over your life. Number three, Abraham kept moving forward until God provided. Abraham, he gathered the wood, he took the trip, he built the altar, he tied up his son, he laid him on the wood, he took out a knife to sacrifice his son until the Lord came through on his behalf. Listen, by the time you get out of here, you're gonna know every step that Abraham took to sacrifice his son Isaac. Uh, life does not stop while we wait for the Lord's provision. He is provider, so we must trust that he will provide. And in the meantime, life goes on. God has still called me to a job here on earth. 
God has still placed me around people that may need his provision as well, so I continue putting my hand to the plow and doing what God has told me to do until he provides. Life goes on, life continues, and he will provide because that's who he is. He is Jehovah Jireh, he is the provider. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. I don't know how I'm going to get over this loss. I don't know how we're going to make it, but I'm trusting that God will provide because that's who he's who, that's who he says that he is, and I've seen him do it before in his word, so I can live with confidence knowing that he will do it again. Right. Number four, Abraham feared God because he did not withhold his only son from God. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 12, the angel says that Abraham feared God because he did not withhold his son, his only son, from God. Here is where we need to ask ourselves, what do I withhold from God? What am I not willing to sacrifice or lay on the altar for him? My life proclaims that he is not Jehovah Jireh, that he is not the God who provides. When I withhold anything from him, that he has asked me to give up. And the reality is he's asked us to lay everything on the altar. And so when there is any area or any place of my life that I withhold from him, my life proclaims that he's not Jehovah Jireh. So my lips may proclaim that he's Jehovah Jireh, but my life proclaims something different. Abraham's actions and his words about his situation, they revealed his heart posture. They revealed what he thought about God, and the same goes for us. So when I find myself asking, why God, how could you let this happen? I first have to do a little self-examination, and I have to ask the Lord to test my motives. Lord, where is my heart? Would you search in me? Would you, would you let me know what's going on in, inside of me that doesn't think rightly about who you are? I have to choose to trust that he is working in the midst of my situation. I have to choose to trust that he is among me in whatever is happening in my life. And I then act on that choice of trust in the Lord. And because I've chosen to trust in him, it will change the way that I speak about my situation. I act in faith because I trust him and I keep moving forward until he provides. Again, life doesn't stop. Life doesn't even slow down. <laughs> we keep moving forward until he provides and we withhold nothing from him because we see him rightly, because we truly fear God. Number five, let's talk about the obvious. Um, what do I do when I worry? What do I do when I fear? Uh, so Jesus knew uh, that his people would struggle with worry and fear, knew that this is something that we would be tempted to do in our flesh uh, when he preached his Sermon on the Mount. So uh, I'm gonna read a little bit of Matthew chapter six for you. Uh, Matthew chapter six, verse 25 says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. 
your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So when we look back through the story of Abraham and Isaac, when God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, he was supposed to be sacrificed as a burnt offering. According to Levitical law, a sacrifice of life uh, was meant to purify the person who was sacrificing the animal. So this animal would be laid on the altar, and when it was a burnt offering, it would eventually uh, fire, obviously burnt. Uh, So it would be ashes, okay? And so it's not the sacrifice itself that was laid on the altar that ends up being purified. It's for the person who lays the sacrifice on the altar to be purified. God was calling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac so that Abraham could be purified and Isaac could be surrendered as Abraham's provision. Abraham saw Isaac as the promise fulfilled, as the promise coming, as the many descendants on the rise, okay? And so when Abraham lays down Isaac on that altar, it's a surrendering of of the provision of Isaac because our provision does not come from Isaac. Our provision comes from the Lord. So just think whatever Isaac is to you, okay? Um, again, it's possible that Abraham relied on Isaac to provide the fulfillment of the promise that God gave him to have many descendants. So Abraham's view of Isaac had to be purified. Again, it's not Isaac that was purified in this moment. It was Abraham laying Isaac on the altar and Abraham's view of Isaac had to be purified. And so what would happen in Levitical law is people would lay this animal on the altar and then they would be purified and forgiven of their sins. Okay, so when when we take a step and when we lay something on the altar, it's not so this thing is purified, it's that our view of this thing is purified and we recognize who really is provider. By laying Isaac on the altar as an offering, we see this symbolism of Abraham's view of Isaac being corrected and Abraham surrendering Isaac over to the Lord. So when we worry When we fear, we must lay that worry down. Uh, We must lay that fear down on the altar as an offering so our view of that thing can be purified and it can be surrendered to the Lord. And so when we trust anything, when we depend on anything, when we rely on anything other than the Lord for our provision, that thing must be laid on the altar. Not so that thing can be purified, but so our view of that thing can be purified and we can see the Lord rightly as Jehovah Jireh. We lay our needs on the altar so he can purify our view of whatever it was that was laid on the altar so we can see it rightly. And he can know that we fear him because we've withheld nothing from him. As we close tonight, I want us to remember that he is Jehovah Jireh. Uh, He is the self-sufficient and self-existent provider who will provide. We are dependent upon him for everything because everything comes from him. There is, there is nothing that we can do without him. There is no provision outside of him because he is the one who provides. When we trust that he is provider, we will act in faith and we will keep moving forward in faith until we see Jehovah Jireh provide. We will withhold nothing from him as we examine ourselves and allow him to test us so we can see him more rightly. And if we worry and if we fear, we lay whatever it is on the altar so it can be surrendered to him. He can correct our view of it then and he can provide in its place in his timing. Um, So before we leave here tonight, I want to ask you, uh, in what way do you need the Lord's provision in your life? Um, Do you need his provision over a child? 
Do you need his wisdom? Do you need his guidance in a situation that's been troubling you? Um, Do you need his financial provision? Do you need his provision of peace? Do you need his provision of joy? He stores everything. He is the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he has everything, and he is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. And so think about it. Where and in what way do you need Jehovah Jireh to provide for you? Um, so if you would stand with me, I would like for us to take a moment um, and just place our hands in front of us with our palms open like this. And really, this is an act of surrender to the Lord. Um, it's an act of laying something down on the altar. So whatever it is um, in, in your life or in your heart that maybe you've been thinking about tonight, I want us to just place our hands like this in, a, in an act of surrendering, whatever it is um, that's been on our hearts as we proclaim that he is uh, Jehovah Jireh together. Lord, we love you um, and we thank you for who you are. Um, God, whatever it is um, that we need your provision for, Lord, we lay it on the altar. We hand it over to you. We, we surrender it to you, God, and we ask that you would purify our view of it. God, that you would correct the way that we see this thing and that, Lord, we would recognize that you are a provider. God, that you are the one um, from, which we, from which we get breath. You are the one who wakes us up in the morning, God, that you are the one who provides our financial need, that you are the one who provides our physical need, God. Lord, we thank you for who you are, and God, we recognize that all provision comes from you, that there is not a day that we wake up that we can live without you, God, because we need you. Um, Lord, you are the one who provides everything that we have um, and just everything that we operate in, our skills, our talents, our gifts. And so, God, we surrender all of those things to you, Lord, and we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you um, that that you let your fire um, burn on this altar um, and that you purify us, Lord. And God, we repent if there is anything in our lives that we have seen um, inaccurately, that we have placed and entrusted and depended on and relied on um, instead of you, Lord. God, we just ask that you would correct us um, and you would humble us, Lord, um, so that we can walk um, in obedience to your word and we can see you rightly. God, we want our actions, we want our words to follow our trust in you. We want nothing more than to see you rightly. And so, Lord, we ask, would you continually throughout this summer, Lord, would you correct our view of you so we can see you rightly um, and so we can be more intimate with you and we can have a deeper trust in you, God. We thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the way that you ministered to your people tonight. Um, We love you, Lord, and we entrust this week to you in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.